everyone, and welcome to the Coochie Kopi podcast, a Bob's Burgers fan podcast. My name is Mallory, and I'll be your host. So there are a lot of reasons to start a podcast, but I just really wanted to talk about Bob's Burgers. I love it so much, and I hope you'll enjoy talking about it as much as I do. So the Coochie Kopi podcast will mainly be episode recaps, but every episode will end for a thoughtful question for us to consider for a week. I will also be doing some other kinds of episodes, like comparing Mr. Fish Odor to a Bond villain, episodes celebrating a particular character, episodes going through fan theories, etc. Just for context, the 10th season of Bob's Burgers will be starting in a few weeks, so that's where we're at now as we dive in. Today we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, titled Human Flesh. The episode recap, according to Hulu, says, Bob's Burgers open for business. Very succinct. So this episode aired on January 9th, 2011. Fun fact, the show was originally going to be about a family of cannibals who run a restaurant. Fox didn't like the original premise, but they did let them celebrate it in the pilot. Tina's character was also going to be a boy named Daniel, and they just decided to keep the same voice actor, because why not? So, let's get into the episode. We start with the opening sequence. It is their grand re-re-reopening, which had to happen because of fire and a rat infestation and a light post falling through their window. The store next door is PFETA, and the poster in the window says, Meat is murder, and then the exterminator truck that pulls up says, Rats all, folks. I did notice that the intro music is much softer in this first episode than it later is. We cut to the first scene in the restaurant, which starts with a weirdly angry reflection of Bob's face as he stares out the front window. He tries to give a rousing speech to the family. It's their big reopening and it's Labor Day weekend. This weekend makes or breaks them every year, so it's very important that they all do their best. Gene will be out front handing out samples, and he's introduced through his fart and robot sound maker, which he's constantly playing with throughout this whole conversation. Tina would be on the grill, and she mentions, My crotch is itchy. And Bob asks, Are you telling me as my daughter or my grill cook? Because my grill cook wouldn't be telling me that. So she tells Linda about it instead. Everyone else in the family is dying to see Tina's itchy crotch, but Bob doesn't want to see it, and I do love that this moment illustrates how close their family is. Louise will be working the counter, so Bob put her cute little step stool back there. I do think it's nice that Louise needs a step stool, and it's a nice reminder that she is a child, even though she doesn't always act like one. So the burger of the day is the new Baconings, which comes with bacon. Louise is not allowed to change it. So Bob says, you know what, I'm taking the chalk. And Louise is just like, like I don't have chalk. Gene is offering samples to people outside in his burger costume, but he should not offer samples to people obviously in mourning, like if they have an urn. And Bob says, I know you think it's a Gene show out there, but there's a line between entertaining and annoying. No, that's a myth, Gene says, and starts shooting off laser and fart sounds with a look of complete joy on his face. Bob is a little disheartened, and he just says, you're my children and I love you, but you're all terrible at what you do here, and I feel like I should tell you I'd fire you all if I could. Linda just like bam they all put their hands in except for tina because she's rashy gene is outside on the sidewalk and then we see a very pointy looking grieving widow with an urn walk by sobbing gene puts the free samples right in the widow's face and she knocks all the samples on the ground and walks away 
We then cut to Bob and Linda grinding the meat in the basement. Bob has totally forgotten their anniversary, despite the hints that Linda's been dropping all day, and Linda finally has to spell it out for him. Bob's excuse is just, I'm not good with dates, you know that. That's not a good excuse, because it's something that he could work on if he really wanted to, and if it really mattered to him, the way his wife's happiness should. Anyway, <laughs> Gene's picking up burgers off the ground outside when Hugo and Ron walk up. They say, hey, you can't give out those samples. You just drop them on the ground. And then Gene asks, what are you, is it dropping food on the ground, police? Yes. They have that? Yes. I'm the health inspector. The burger joint's natural enemy. Hugo and Ron walk inside, and it only gets worse. The burger of the day, according to Louise, is the child molester, which comes with candy. Ron doesn't get it until she explains that sometimes they use candy to lure their victims, and then Ron almost seems impressed. Bob and Linda are down in the basement grinding the meat, but it's not a euphemism. They're really down there grinding the meat. So back in the basement, Bob and Linda are also arguing about their anniversary. Linda says that their anniversary is 9-3. 9 is divisible by 3. And then Bob says a lot of numbers are divisible by 3. That is true. I'm not sure that Linda's way of remembering it would work for me, but it works for her. Linda thinks, finally, that Bob's messing with her, and guesses that he must be planning a surprise party. He totally snaps at her, but Linda just keeps going. She is terrible at acting a surprise, and all of her weird sounds kind of cheer Bob up. Call me to come up when it's all ready. I'll act surprised like this. <gasps> ah! That's... Wow! Oh! I almost had a heart attack! That's scared. That's not surprised. Ah! <laughs> That's like you hurt yourself. Ah! That's good. Her weird Muppet surprise sound at the end is not good, though. It sounds like someone stepped on a squeaky toy. Back up in the restaurant kitchen, Hugo and Ron are being tormented by the Belcher children. Tina mentions her rash, and we see Hugo write it down in his notebook. Hugo's notebook also says, Greasy, Disgusting Smell, and Rashy Grill Cook. It probably also mentions the expired milk that Louise made Ron smell. So Bob finally wanders upstairs, and Hugo and Ron introduce themselves. Ron doesn't have a badge yet, because he just started. I wonder if Hugo is putting on some kind of show for Ron, or if he's always like this. Because Hugo starts yelling at Bob and saying, I just filled up my notebook, that's a record, and all the children cheer. <laughs> and then Hugo talks about how there are child labor law violations and public decency violations. I am kind of curious about what kind of labor laws he's talking about. Maybe Tina needs to be older to run the grill or something. So the public decency violation that Hugo mentioned is the new burger of the day, the child molester, which was for a limited time only until Bob came back upstairs. Bob asks if anyone actually ordered it, and a creepy comb-over guy sitting at the counter actually did order the child molester. So Bob tells Gene to serve him instead of Louise. And they have this whole conversation about, like, why does Gene have to get molested? He's not going to molest you. Why? Because you're heavy. Heavy kids can get molested? Yeah! Who wouldn't want to molest this face? And then Bob tries to get out of it by saying, no, it's not that. It's because you're older. And throughout this whole building conversation, Hugo keeps trying to get Bob's attention. And then they move on to about, well, Tina's older, but Tina's not good with the customers, at least not good enough to serve a potential child molester. Louise and Tina think Tina is autistic, so they decide to play a game where they drop toothpicks on the ground and she has to guess how many. Bob tells them not to play the game again, which means that they played it before. I bet they watched Rain Man, and so they played it because of that. Anyway, Tina guesses all the toothpicks on the floor to be a hundred. It was three, Tina. Jean drops one more and she still guesses three. Now it's four. You can count them. 
Hugo finally breaks into the conversation and he announces that they're here because of the rumor that Bob is using human flesh to make his burgers. And then Bob is like, I wonder how that rumor got started. And turns out that Belize started the rumor that Bob uses human flesh uh, because she needed something good to share at show and tell. That does make me wonder if Hugo and Ron would have come anyway. Like, maybe Bob's Burgers got moved up to the top of their list of inspections because of the rumor, but I'm sure that they would have come to inspect the restaurant anyway. So Hugo states that if they find more than 4% human meat in Bob's Burgers, Bob's restaurant will be shut down permanently. I did try to check if 4% is really the amount allowed by the FDA, but Google is not helpful. I am sure that there's a legal limit though. Things happen, like fingers get chopped off and mixed in with everything else. So at least there's a limit. Anyway, if it's more than 4%, Hugo will close the restaurant. And then Linda chooses this great moment to come upstairs and thinks it's a party. She recognizes Hugo. He just transferred here. And she happens to recognize him because they were briefly engaged. I will say this is the moment where I started thinking Hugo does seem really picky, but he actually seemed really reasonable until he sees that it's the restaurant of Bob who married Linda and stole her away from him. He thought it was Bob the Hotshot Restaurateur. You know what? Maybe Bob was a hotshot restaurateur 15 or 20 years ago, but he's not really now. Funnily enough, Bob didn't even know that Linda left Hugo or anyone else for him. Ouch. That shows how insignificant Hugo's been in Linda's later life. Even Hugo remembers her anniversary, though, because 9 is divisible by 3. So he rolls out the scary poster and says, Happy Anniversary. The poster says, This premises is under investigation. Food may contain human flesh, and then it has a person with X eyes in a hamburger bun. And Hugo announces, you'll get your lab results on Monday. Consider yourself health inspectored. I guess Hugo's trying out a new catchphrase or something. I don't think it works very well for him. So we get a closer look at the poster in the front window of the restaurant outside. And some people are freaking out, but an older lady in purple muses that she'd try it. There's no wait. <laughs> That's a great joke. I've missed it every other time I've watched it, so I'm glad I caught it this time. So in the meantime, Bob and Jean are trying to block the poster. They have to display it prominently, but they're trying to hide it regardless. And Linda's inside with the girls, and she's asking, Did your father say anything about an anniversary present? Necklace and a hamburger, or earrings down the drain? And... Of course that's silly, but Linda thinks that would be romantic, so Louise suggests that she could try looking in the trash. Anyway, while they're talking, Bob and Jean are still outside trying to block the poster. Jean falls off and is hanging by his legs from Bob's neck, and Bob runs by twice, and he can't get Jean off his neck, and people start coming up just to watch Bob and Jean and stare at the poster, and now Jean is riding Bob, and they both fall over on the sidewalk. Exciting things happening outside, and then the girls' conversation inside culminates with Louise pointing out that Hugo is still madly in love with Linda and she can probably get him to take down the poster, you know, with her feminine wiles and whatnot. So we cut to Hugo crying in the toilet of falafel on a waffle next to shoe complete me. He answers the phone and he says, Linda? We don't get to see how that turns out just yet because we need to cut to Bob and Linda in the kitchen. The grill should be full of burgers, but it's empty except for one burger for Mort. He called in an order because he doesn't want to be seen there. Linda walks up and announces that Hugo is coming over to talk to Linda because she thinks she can talk him out of it and take down the poster. Jean asks, is Hugo going to be our new dad? Bob is super offended. Why did she ever get engaged to Hugo anyway? She just says, ah, I was young. 
And Linda's parents liked Hugo because he always did the dishes, and he happened to be an excellent kisser. Very soft and not a lot of moisture, unlike some people. That was a mistake to say, because now Bob is offended, and Linda denies that she thinks Bob is a bad kisser, so there's a grand swell of romantic music as Bob slobbers all over Linda. A long string of spit connects them with kind of the consistency of silly string. He asks if she's sweating, which is so gross, and she's like, mm, no, and he's offended again and he says oh i'd hate to get any saliva on you and mr perfect moisture mouth i happen to produce a lot of saliva linda so bob might be a little bit worried but i don't think he really has anything to worry about judging by how awkwardly hugo and linda are sitting in a booth a few minutes later she starts to say something and hugo cuts her off saying he wants to read her a poem here is hugo's poem inspector of health inspector of pain I came in search of human remains, and I found a piece of human flesh I thought I'd never see again. My heart. <laughs> it's actually kind of moving until it peters off at the end, but Linda is um, unimpressed, but claps nicely anyway. She tries to get him to take the poster down, but he has his own agenda, and he wants to take her away from all this. He signifies his disgust by hand sanitizing both his hand and her hand before he holds hands with her again. So we cut to Gina Mort in the crematorium, which has a sign on the front door saying, none of your loved ones used as food. So here is where we learn that customized caskets and urns are Mort's specialty, even though I feel like we don't really see cool caskets later in the series. There's just the sarcophagus and a pretty blue one, and the gift-wrapped candy box meant for Mr. Caffrey of Caffrey's Taffy. So Mort goes upstairs, and of course Jean presses a button to send up the casket. It goes up the lift, and Speedo Guy bumps it off the lift so it ambles by the restaurant. Linda sees the casket go by, and she thinks it's Bob's anniversary gift, so she wheels it inside. She opens the casket, and she finds Mr. Caffrey, and I tell you, she is not squeamish because she starts searching for Bob's anniversary gift underneath a dead body. Hugo is not so keen on Linda anymore, and he flips open his phone and says, Hello, the media? What number did he even dial? Anyway, we cut to outside where the protest has really picked up. Some signs say, who's the beef? Keep me out of meat. Don't taste me, bro. Cook cheeseburgers, not me burgers, is held by someone who looks like Large Tommy, the slowest runner in the Gene Mile episode. Don't put our sons between your buns. Hamburgers, not hamburgers. Miss LeBons is also part of the mob, as is the bank manager from the bank across the street. Bob is inside sarcastically clapping for everyone who helped summon the angry mob. Really, it was kind of everyone's fault. Jean dropped the burgers on the ground. Tina's making people uncomfortable in general with her rash. Linda opened the box that had Mr. Caffrey in it. It was Louise who first started spreading the rumor. Things are not looking great for the restaurant and Bob is very unhappy. He decides that he's going to go talk to Hugo and ask him to talk to the angry mob outside to see if he can calm them down. It is funny, so Hugo and Ron are in the van watching Hugo's news interview and the line at the bottom says, Cannibals or can-o-bull? Bob walks over, he says, I'm not going to assault you, and then he does by yanking on his tie. It just, it just came over him, though. Bob came out to ask Hugo to talk to the mob. Hugo says, no, I'm not going to do that. But during their conversation, Bob notices a whole mobile lab in the back of the van and says, can't you just do the test there? Hugo says, 
no, and I have to leave. And then Bob is even nice enough to help Hugo out of his parking spot. So Bob decides to confront the crowd on his own. He tries to talk to them, but he doesn't actually know anyone. The locksmith, who he thought was the shoe repair guy, concedes that it was cool when he made Bob keys, but I think he just didn't really want to argue about it anymore, especially in front of everyone and with a suspected cannibal. And then Mort walks up and makes a joke that he got run out of Bog Harbor for selling human flesh to the restaurants. He's just kidding. Or is he? We might have to talk about this in a future episode about Mort. It's a real possibility. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Anyway, Bob starts giving a very inspirational speech about how we need to treat the living well, and about how sometimes we treat the dead better than the living, and we need to be kinder to others. And then it becomes a super creepy rant about cannibalism. Murder? No big deal. Cannibalism? Whoa. Someone in the crowd wonders if he's defending cannibalism, and Louise eggs them on, and someone throws a Wonder Wharf snow globe at their front window. The snow globe hits the window, but it only spiderwebs into a huge crack when Jean taps on it, of course, trying to talk to Bob. So while all of this mayhem is going down, we cut to Hugo and Ron in the health inspector van outside of Wonder Wharf, and Ron asks, We really can test it in the mobile lab, can't we? If it's yellow, it's salmonella. If it's chartreuse, it's a deuce. And if it's blue, it's your Aunt Sue. Hugo says, yes, but can't you see? If he's not guilty, it's something else. And then Ron asks if it's stealing your woman. And then we see the moment when Hugo becomes unhinged and commits to destroying Bob when he breaks down crying in the van. I did notice that Hugo's voice is much higher later, and maybe this moment and his hatred for Bob is why. So we go back to the restaurant. Bob is a broken man as he stares at his broken window and quietly monologues to himself about being a failure and being fat. He says, you fail at everything. Your kids are failures and you're fat. You're not attractive and you never were. Well, you were a little bit when you were a teenager and then you got fat. His family can tell that he's kind of hit rock bottom and so they're trying to make him feel better. Louise apologizes for spreading the rumor. Tina says that her rash is gone and it smells like bacon, so the burger of the day must have cured her rash. And then Linda says that she would rather be married to a suspected cannibal with a dream than a soft-lipped guy like Hugo who never had any dreams to begin with. They have this beautiful, inspirational moment where they call him their hero and want him to come inside and feed them, and then they lock him out. Because, I mean, what else would the Belchers do? It's very in character for them. At that moment, we see a bus roll up. The lady in purple who earlier said she would try a human meat burger asks if they're still serving human meat burgers and if they can seat 25 people. Bob is delighted and so he says, yeah, sure, come on in. Ron steps up and comes to apologize because their tests showed that they have 100% grade A beef. Bob is pleased by this, but he's like, shh, shushing him because he's trying to get people in the restaurant. He's going to make some money. That conflict is resolved. Let's talk about how much money they actually would have made. There are 25 people in the Adventurous Eaters Club, and Bob agreed that he would sell them a $50 burger, and that wouldn't include sides, drinks, tips, tax, etc. So they made at least $1,250. But with replacing the window, how much did they really make? I don't know, I kind of think that the sudden windfall of the Adventurous Eaters Club and then also the broken window cancel each other out just enough for them to have a fairly successful reopening. So after this happy moment and all the conflicts being resolved, we go to the Ferris wheel on Wonder Wharf, and Bob and Linda are making out on the Ferris wheel, and Bob reveals that he went online and got some tips. His better kissing is her anniversary gift. It's actually really sweet. He's really taking the constructive criticism to change something that she cares about. Go, Bob. 
good anniversary gift. But the poor kids are stuck on the seat behind them. And Tina's like, whoa, mom's really handsy. And then Jean says, they're a couple of sluts. And then Louise asks, hey, let's get this moving. I'm being emotionally scarred up here. <laughs> it's, it's a silly moment, but it's kind of beautiful. And then the credits roll, and we see the classic ending with the kids helping in the kitchen, Bob's bum scratch and all. Final thoughts. My husband Cam hated that they don't have chins when we first started watching it together, but I barely noticed because this is a banging first episode. It's really good, the plot is very cohesive, and our character introductions are very solid. Looking back, it's interesting to note that both the characters and the animation mellow out a little bit. The kids look about the same, but everyone else looks a little bit weird and pointier, especially their hands. Like the widow who knocked the samples out of Jean's hands, her and her family looked almost more like Adam's family-esque. They were just a little pointier and a little scratchier than the mellow style of animation that we get used to. Bob seems really mean in this episode, and Linda seems really stupid. Hopefully it's just Bob being stressed out and Linda having an off day because I think that they're both actually really kind and smart people. But let's talk about that more during our question of the week. I will say I really love the macabre elements in this episode. Uh, the constant references to cannibalism, a body legit rolling into their restaurant, even the darkness of the burger of the day being the child molester. Those are all aspects that I just find delightful. And I also love that the first episode introduces the struggle between Bob and Hugo, even though they're both really on the same side, uh, the side of food being good and safe. We see a lot more of this in the Are You There, Bob? It's Me birthday episode, when Bob visits a restaurant for a health inspection with Hugo and Ron. They're both disgusted by unsafe food practices and share a common goal, even though they loathe each other. I almost wonder if they would have been friends had Linda not been a factor in their interactions with each other. So, here's the question of the week. Later in the series, viewers see that Bob is a genuinely good and kind man. He's a good father and husband, and he works hard to keep his food safe and cook as best as he can. We see him disgusted by the uncleanliness of others' restaurants, and he cooks with professional chefs at much fancier restaurants in the secret Admiral Ierer episode. Even Skip Marooch, a celebrity chef, respects him. So, since Bob has so many violations and is kind of mean in this episode, does that mean that Bob learns from this episode and becomes better in every aspect of his life? Does this episode show us just one off day in Bob's life, or is this a major turning point that inspires him to improve? Something to think about. So with that, we are finishing up the very first episode of the Coochie Kopi podcast. Thank you for listening. Sorry if I sounded nervous. I really was nervous, but I'm sure that I will become more comfortable and the episodes will get a lot smoother as we go on. Please review and subscribe because there's going to be a lot more interesting content coming up. So thank you so much for listening. Have a good week. Bye.